Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Topic episode 36, ultimate episode 86. For the topic today, I want to go back to uh, what I had discussed at the kind of post-general conference uh, topic list that I gave. This is not one that I was planning on uh, revisiting, but because of some uh, recent situations in my life, experiences, whatever you want to call it, I feel inclined to go this direction. And, and hopefully um, for the short, quick turn I did on this topic, it comes across okay. So uh, tests is, is the primary focus of this. And one of the things that came out of the general conference uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints back in October was um, a, uh, a line that said, a test compares what we know versus what we need to know. Anytime, uh, that's the end of the quote, I apologize. Um, anytime life presents us with an opportunity to act or react, uh, that is kind of a test or at least a quiz in our life. At least that's how I see it. That's kind of the real world application for that concept. And so a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm experiencing this really huge dramatic event in my life. This is a test. Well, honestly, um, when you go to a gas station and you're filling up with car, your car with gas and you go inside to pay, and um, maybe there's a person who needs a buck to help buy you know, gas for their car and you're, you choose to give them that choice or not, that's a quiz, if nothing else, maybe even a test. So what I'm trying to get across here is, is, is it's the simple things in life the simple decisions we make that are often those those key events of, of changing or improving our lives. And not to say we need to react, treat every single action in a massively stressful way like we would if we're doing to you know, cram for a finals. But we do need to treat our decisions with a certain degree of respect as we're moving through. Um, so what happens to us when we choose poorly? Does that mean that we fail? Does that mean that we turn into dust, like what happens in uh, the third Indiana Jones movie? Does that mean that we need to wallow in misery? This is what I want to focus on, the answer to this and what we do going forward. The answer, or at least my answer to that, is you don't do any of those previous things. I mean, I suppose you could turn into dust if you made a decision that made you get hit by something that vaporized you. So, I mean, I guess there's that, but um, too little too late, I'd say. So, beyond that, uh, what you do instead is you ask yourself what you are going to do next. Um, I, I know this is going to sound terrible, and I may have even mentioned it before, but uh, the second Frozen movie, even though the song is very sad, um, there's a scene where the younger sister is down in the cave, and uh, she believes that her older sister is now dead, and she begins to... Uh, sing a song about what the, uh, the the troll had mentioned at the beginning, and that is take the next right step or take the next, you know, do the next best thing. Um, to me, I think that is probably the single most profound thing that came out of either of those two movies or anything subsequent or before. Uh, because a lot of us, and I know myself included, we have these moments where we get triggered with guilt. We've made a mistake and or we feel regret. And when that happens, sometimes we just can't let it go. And it keeps pulling us down and pulling us and down. Um, when, you know, one of my greatest fears in life is drowning in the ocean. And I'm talking about like the so depths of the ocean that there's not enough light to know which way is up. Um, to me, that's terrifying. Absolutely, horrifically terrifying. Um, 
despair and misery and regret, those can do the same thing where they pull you down so deep that you can't see the light anymore. And so it's very, very important for us to know how to treat that, know what to do with those feelings so we can take the next right step. And I'm going to give you an example from my life. When I was a teenager, um, uh, 19, moving into 20, uh, I was on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was down in the United States in the uh, Panhandle of Florida, Southern Alabama area, um, a, a lot of small towns. And uh, I was serving with an individual. Um, for those of you who don't know, as, as missionaries, we typically have one, sometimes two companions um, that we go out with. And, uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's a scriptorial thing, you know, going out in pairs and so on and so forth. And this individual that I was put with, we don't typically have any choice in the matter, um, was, a, was an individual I struggled with uh, intensely for a lot of different reasons. But one of the biggest of which is our personalities just didn't jive with each other. Not to mention the fact that um, one day we were out biking and he kept biking and he was way better shaped than I was in and eventually lost me. And I biked probably 26 miles all on my own, totally in an unfamiliar place and had no idea where I was. Thankfully, I never got hit by a car or killed, but you can only imagine what it's like wearing, uh, you know, white shirt and tie in 100 degree weather with 100% humidity biking for 26 miles, totally lost. Um, but that's not the experience I'm trying to get to here. Uh, anyways, he um, had a very, very strong willed personality and wasn't real forgiving when it came to talking with people. And one day we knocked on somebody's house. They let us in, um, took us into the kitchen. And the, the husband of the family was very abrupt and a very strong-willed individual. Nothing wrong with any of those, I suppose. But um, we sat down and he immediately asked what we were there for. And we told him briefly who we represented, what we were teaching. And um, he says, okay, well, you know what? Um, he whipped out a scripture, read a verse. And my companion says, oh my gosh, well, I'm not even going to get into that with you because you know, God and, and our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are two separate people. And you're saying that they're one, which is totally wrong. And um, the man got mad at my companion, who then in turn got mad at him. And the man threw my companion out of the house, almost physically. And I remember just sitting there stunned and not at all sure what I should do next. Um, I had said or done nothing wrong in this particular situation. My companion was out of the, the room and it was like I was forgotten for a moment. And the man turned and looked at me and I had the briefest of feelings that I should continue to talk to this man because I knew that my personality unlike my companions, is I, I could have a discussion with this individual. And I felt like I should try. And what did I do instead? I stood up, I shook the man's hand, thank you for letting us into our house, into his house, and then left. Now, was my actions the wrong choice? Looking back, I would say absolutely yes. Was it a poor decision to leave the way I did? I would say I left at least a somewhat positive reaction behind. But I did not follow the prompting of my heart, which was the mistake. And I'll be honest with you, um, that was over 20 years ago, and it still sits with me. Um, I, I, would, I would argue, if not guilt, certainly regret that I made the wrong decision there. And so one of the things that being a parent has taught me, looking back at those kind of situations, because my children go through the same thing, is that you need to learn how to treat those feelings so that you can move on. And so... The first thing that you need to do, the first thing I learned that I need to do is you need to recognize the feeling for what it is, because the devil is going to want you to dwell on those and sink to that abyss and, and not be able to see the light anymore um, to where, you know, you don't have hope. All you have is despair. 
And so the first thing you need to recognize is, okay, I am feeling something because I felt like I either did something wrong or um, I didn't make the decision I needed to make. Fine. Recognized. Now what? The next thing you recognize is, okay, what should I have done differently? Fine. Recognized. Now what? Here's what I did wrong. Fine. Recognized. Now what? Here's what I can do to solve it. Fine. Do it. Then what? What if you can't solve it? Okay. So if you were in that situation again, what would you do? Well, I would do this. Okay, fine. Now what? And, and the important thing here is twofold. One, you keep moving forward. You keep taking that next step. Two, don't dwell. Um, I would even advocate behind getting yourself a time frame, predetermined, that when you make a mistake, you tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to count to you know five as slowly as I can. Give myself that moment to feel that misery and despair because it is important to feel pain. It is important to feel those things so that we have that trigger for change and we recognize when we've done something poor or wrong. So pain does serve a purpose, but prolonged pain is what pulls us into despair and takes us into that abyss. So we need to recognize, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I screwed up and here's how I screwed up and here's how I won't screw up in the future. And then you move on. You make change. Change is hard. Change isn't going to be easy, but you got to take that next step. And you've got to choose to do that because no one else can do that for you. Now, to that point, uh, I'm going to relay another very short story here about that concept of taking the next best step. We've all heard about the concept of the straw that broke the camel's back. A lot of times when we're doing something strenuous or difficult, having our eyes open and seeing how far we have to go can be its own stresses because we say, oh my gosh, I can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Or if I do, maybe it's Darth Vader with a lightsaber. I'm afraid I can't go any further. I'm going to stop now. And so I remember when I was a, a teenager, a younger teenager, I was in the scouting program and uh, I was uh, in some form of leadership position. And we were going to be going on a summer trek where we were going to backpack into uh, some mountains, some distance, something that I had done before, but never with a group and certainly not as a leader. And I remember asking my mom the question, what if I get tired before everyone else does? What if I can't go any further and I need to stop? I'm going to be in a position of authority and I could pull the whole troop down. And I, my, my mom gave me probably the single most wise thing I remember hearing as a youth. And that was when you can't go any further, take one more step. Now, she didn't say take one more step and stop. She just said take one more step. And I have lived with that knowledge for the rest of my life. There have been multiple situations where I or I and a group of people have just decided, you know what? We've hit the end of a rope. We're done. We're calling it quits. And it's like, no. We got to take one more step. And I will tell you what, I have never, ever, ever regretted taking that extra step because more often than not, it leads to another one and then to another one. But I'm not focused on what's at the top of the mountain or what's at the end of the trail. I am focused on just the next step. And that is sometimes all you need to be able to move forward. So what if the only way to achieve your maximum potential is to never stop? for longer than one deep breath, and then take the next step. And now what? When guilt hits, or when you're feeling despair, breathe, learn, choose to change, take the next step, and then let it go. Dennis Waitley said, a failure is like fertilizer. It stinks to be sure, but it makes things grow faster in the future. Smile, be happy, remember you're worth it, and take the next step.